All right. Cool. So Bryce Pats, welcome to what I like to call the fun. Uh, really <laughs> excited to have you on board. I was telling you before we came on board, environmental wellness, environmental experts, not the easiest. And I, my background in wildlife biology would lead you to believe that I know all these experts in, in the field of wildlife. But after college, I kind of, as most people know about me by now, have steered away from that. So I'm steering back. I'm excited to have you on board. I'm excited to hear from an environmental wellness expert and to figure out the answer to the question, what does environmental fitness look like? But thank you so much for coming on board. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Absolutely. So um, I just asked you what your title was and there were a lot of words involved and I said, I'm going <laughs> to let you do it. So um, tell the people listening uh, a little bit about what it is that you do that has you sitting here talking about environmental wellness today. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, I don't know if I'm an absolute expert, but I'll tell you what I know and you guys can decide. So I'm, uh, I'm with the Parks and Recreation Department for the City of West Lafayette and the Community Forestry and Green Space Planner. Um, and so what I do is uh, a lot of the urban forest, so street trees, um, public trees that I manage. Um, I have a staff of three. So two are horticulture technicians. I work in public right away. So a lot of those uh, spaces along roadways or in public spaces, you know, uh, my crew manages and tackles well. Um, and then we have a, a new member on board that runs our AmeriCorps program. So um, a lot going on, a lot of development spaces. Um, anytime that there's uh, a new development pulled in the city of West Lafayette as a permit, uh, they have to meet our green space ordinance. And so doing those reviews and those streetscape uh, designs, um, I have the privilege of being part of that. Yeah, that's awesome. And we talked a little bit before coming on about this idea of how do you measure environmental wellness, just the fact that we have green space ordinances is probably a good telltale sign that the greater Lafayette area is doing pretty well. And obviously kudos to you because I love living here. I love telling everybody about it. Um, but we'll dive more into that as time goes on today in this conversation. But um, tell me a little bit more about your typical day to day of like when you're when you're going through the day and you're trying to figure out like how do you how do we make this place more friendly to our our citizens here in the greater Lafayette area what, what does that look like yeah so um a lot of what city government is, um as well we provide services that's our, that's our goal that's our mission that's what we're charged to do so um with parks recreation uh, we have a five-year master plan um which i helped run when i was in uh when i joined the department in 2021 um, and that's really community driven. You know, we had uh, several public input sessions where the community told us exactly what they wanted um, in our park system. Um, and parks are the backbone of any government, any city. Um, you have a city that doesn't have any access to green space, uh, your city's not thriving. Mm. And so, um, you know, we're really the center of quality of life. Um, and so that's what keeps people here. You know, jobs uh, develop, you know, they come. Uh, you have businesses, that's what uh, you have the income, that's where you have housing, um, but what stays is quality of life. Mm. And so that's the, the really cool part of being in this size of community in West Lafayette is, as I mentioned earlier, you're wearing multiple different hats, uh, but it's really around the quality of life aspect that's really uh, rewarding uh, to be a part of because um, it's really what the community wants. You know, you, you um, just this past weekend, I had a uh, Saturday neighborhood meeting where we're talking about stormwater management in Happy Hollow Park, which is mm. a regional park that draws not only just residents in West Lafayette, but community-wide. Mm -hmm. And so 
uh, getting the input from those residents that just live right on the edge of the park and how they are managing stormwater and how we can learn from them and make sure that's part of our plan. Um, that's the cool part, you know, that's how you get connected. That's how you have an input and say. Um, so I, I really feel like I'm just a vessel in that. Um, that's what my job is, make sure that we can get all those pieces together and have really quality green spaces and really a great quality of life. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and I, I love your comment about like the parks keep people like the, the jobs and the economy, those attract people. Those get you to say, hey, okay, we'll try this place out. Right. But, but the parks are what keep people around and keep that quality of life. It, um, we had a, a individual by the name of Angie Redmond on not so long ago, who uh, helps people helps organizations win best places to work in Indiana awards. Like yeah, we want a trophy, yeah. um, which is phenomenal. Right. Um, but so I'm reading her book right now, culture impact, phenomenal book, but they talk about this idea of, you know, benefits and pay and payroll and salaries, all that might bring people in, but it's the culture. Mm-hmm. It's the quality of life. It's the, the feelings that they get within that organization that keep them there. And so that's a really cool kind of alignment between those two kinds of thoughts is like, you know, all these things, this, these exciting numbers make bring people in, but it's really like, do I have a place to go to yeah. relax? Do I have a place to feel inspired? Do I have a place to feel a part of something, right? Like that's what keeps people around. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's the bits and pieces that um, when you're not junior nine to five, you know, what do you do with your time? Your time is uh, yours. It's your way to spend currency, if you will. So if you're willing to spend it in your community, um, having that quality of life aspect is, you know, that's something special. That's how you get connected. That's how you build the community. So yeah, parks, green space, streetscapes, activities, it's all the the core pieces of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I am, I think next year I'll officially be a Lafayetteian. Okay. Uh, yeah, I have lived here longer than anywhere else. Pretty brought me. I stayed a lot because of the parks because my mm-hmm. wife worked for a park for a long time. Um, but a lot of people say, you know, there's not a lot to do in Lafayette. Mostly people who grew up in Lafayette, mm-hmm. <laughs> who are no longer looking for things to do in Lafayette. Um, I would argue that vehemently. So many great things. This is turning into a Visit Lafayette podcast. But <laughs> um, but, but my point is, is that when you can keep people in the city and you can keep people entertained and enjoying it and they don't have to travel a far distance, at least for, you know, everybody loves to travel and get out a little bit, but at least for those weekends and those, those longer hauls where you're not going on vacation, that just, you have a place to get out, right. And enjoy yourself. Then that really keeps the quality of life high, which keeps your, your society high, right? Like you're positive, you keep, you stay happy. So that's really cool. So tell us a little bit about your background that got you into, to doing this thing. Yeah, I kind of stumbled upon it, actually. Um, So I went to Purdue University, um, graduated in 2015. Um, I'm now realizing that was some time ago. So (laughs) now I'm going to establish myself. Um, And I tell the story all the time. My intention was never to stay. You know, my (laughs) intention was, you know, get my degree and then uh, go on to grad school. Um, So I got my degree in public horticulture, um, which is traditionally botanic garden arboretum management. So um, had really, really phenomenal experiences. Again, I stumbled upon into, um, so I had that privilege. Um, but, you know, I had, I spent time in the Arnold Arboretum in Boston. Um, that's where I did my internships out there. And uh, the Purdue Arboretum that's on campus is student-run uh, Arboretum. So I was, I got a lot of my working knowledge there, um, my skill sets there. Um, and so I was on my way, applying for grad school. I was looking at programs out East, um, installed an internship with the city. 
uh, or forestry intern. It's like, hey, you know, that's three months. I need something, a gig while I'm getting ready to go for grad school. And um, at, the, at that time, uh, the Urban Forestry Program was in the Department of Development. And so when I got there, um, uh, Beth Shaw was there. She, is, she was the Green Space Administrator at the time. Um, and it was just her and one other staff, and uh, there were some vacancies in the Department of Development. And so because of that, I was like, hey, you know, I'm really enjoying this internship. Um, I'm happy to take on some extra tasks um, while I'm here. Um, and that's when I really fell in love with government work. It was never on my radar, mm-hmm. wasn't planning on doing it, didn't even know there was a career in government. Yeah. Um, and, and I kind of look back on that. It's like, you know, when I was growing up, um, we I lived on state park property. So I didn't think about how cities work, right? Because sure, I'm sure. in the woods. Sure. Um, and so uh, when we moved out of state parks and we got a house in town in a small town called Bluffton, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it never occurred to me being in this position today, like how did the town run things? Okay. You know, it's, you know, trash pickup, you know, that's vital and uh, snow plows, you know, it, you just don't think about those things. Um, and in my hometown, uh, Bluffton, uh, the parks department runs the show essentially mm-hmm. they are it they mm-hmm. do all the educational programming youth programming uh community development spaces i mean they do it all they're a, a great group they just won an award um, oh, wow. you know west lafayette we need to step up our game <laughs> um uh but yeah it's just, i never thought about government work you know sure. it wasn't what i was um what wasn't what my degree was about yeah. and so um, I decided to stay on. They, uh, I had the opportunity uh, to stay on full time um, as neighborhood vitality and green space. And so uh, rather than going to grad school, I stayed on. I'm so glad I did. It's completely changed the trajectory of my career, just similar to you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I tell people all the time when I have interns, it's like, you know, if you're thinking about grad school, like get some work experience first, you know, see what you really want to do before you dive into that, because you'll be surprised. And so yeah. Uh, city city planning, city works, um, green space development. Um, it's still the skill set that I am using my degree with, but it's in a completely different context. And so yeah. it's been a really fun ride this last almost eight years now yeah. in the city. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so cool. So so typically not uttered in a se- in a sentence government work attracted me right <laughs> like i have to admit that i don't always hear that now um so so tell us more about because i know that there's a lot of power in the ability to work with the government and the impact that you can make so so what was it about that that kind of drew you in what do you like about it yeah it's um just kind of what i said earlier you know we're, we're a vessel for the community yeah. and so if you want to see a change show up yeah. you know we're, we're begging for people to show up you know um, I, I'm very fortunate. I work with the West Lafayette Tree Friends. It's a governmental nonprofit, so it's tied to our city ordinance for green space. Um, but it's a ton of passionate volunteers that I couldn't do what I do without them. Yeah. Um, and so um, we just presented to Parks Board, which is uh, normally, you know, very quiet attendance, you know, uh, you know, which I'm crazy. Why not show sure. up? You, know? <laughs> you want a splash pad? Show up to uh, yeah. Parks Board and you you know, let's make it happen. Um, but 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 the reality is, you know, the volunteers showed up when I presented our community forestry management plan, which is something I've been working on for about 18 months. Um, and it's just heartwarming to see like, you know, these volunteers are just, you know, passionate about our trees and uh, want to continue to make sure we have a thriving forestry program, which is another backbone into a community uh, people don't realize that but it totally is um and so uh having the community members show up it's just you know it makes me feel like i'm doing something mm-hmm. you know um 
I, I can see my fingerprint on the community when I do it that way. And it's not really mine. At the end of the day, it's really theirs. And so sure. that's that's what's fulfilling for me being in, in municipal government is, um, you know, if, if you're showing up, if you want to participate, you want to roll up your sleeves with us because it's going to take all of us to get it done. Yeah. Um, I will fight for that because that's the cool part. That's how we get things done. Um, it's when we don't get that input, that that feedback, and we're just kind of plugging, jugging. Um, which some aspects we have to, we provide those services, you know, like trash pickup, we have to do it efficiently. Mm. Um, you know, same for snow plows, same for engineering. You know, we all have our things that we got to get done because the infrastructure has to function, right? Stormwater yeah. has to function. Yeah. Um, but it's the quality of life aspects of, you know, we, you know, we have to get this service done and how to create a really thriving community and it's the quality of life aspects. I think, you know, it's just been fun, been very fulfilling. That's awesome. Yeah. 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 Your ability to improve the lives of others at such a scale yeah. is phenomenal. That's cool. So, so we're going to talk about environmental wellness today and you are unique. I think actually not even just you, but the the topic environmental wellness is unique because typically you're not looking, you're not working with a person. You're not sitting here and going like, we need you to plant more trees for yourself so that you can be happier. Right. <laughs> Obviously there's, there's people out there that are working on your office space and your you know, feng shui and, you know, your, your waterscapes and your, you know, your, your home. Um, but typically we're looking at a larger scale, right? And that's what you do is you work with societies, with communities on a larger scale to impact their environmental wellness. So the the conversation may not be about individuals, but I'm guessing that there's some pieces that you have worked with that you have noticed individuals communicating when they're frustrated about their environmental space. So, so it'll kind of be this unique um, in the middle between the individual versus the society as a whole, which is great. I'm excited about that aspect. But when you think of the idea of environmental wellness and you have to explain it to a middle schooler, that's the, that's the group we always like to explain it to because sometimes hard to reach those guys. Um, but you have to explain environmental wellness to a middle schooler. How would you do that in a sentence or two? Yeah, I've been, I've been thinking about that. Um, you know, how I would, how I would describe if, if the space is, healthy or thriving um, is you walk into a space and you're seeing activity, you know, so that could be anything from, you know, say streetscape where you're um, right outside the public library and you're looking at a plaza space or, um, or it could be in our park system on Happy Hollow, we have trails uh, that our community loves our trails and we love them too. Um, but you see activity there, you see people there, you, you see wildlife there, you see activity uh, just doing its thing. That's when you know that you have something, you know, um, you have something that's workable, that's healthy, that's moving. When when you have these spaces where you, you have no activity, um, you don't have places where human activity can function naturally, because that's really what, uh, when it comes down to design work, even, you know, we have to think about how does a human use a space, um, because you can design as however you want to, um, but if it's not designed where that human activity is natural, where you want to spend that time, then um, it's it's not healthy. It's not growing. So that's that's how I would describe it. Is you know, are you walking into space and is there activity? Is there um, you know, is there critters running around? Is there do you have a tree canopy over your head? Um, do you have you know plants th- growing? Um, yeah, do you have these uh, public spaces where you just want to spend time in? You know, that that's to me. Anyways, um, that's when I know I'm in a, a good thriving space that I want to be in. 
Yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, there sounds like there's some components of, of not only engagement, like can people engage with each other, with the space around them, with the other living things that are happening, hopefully you know, at, a, at a safe distance, don't pet the deer, but the, <laughs> but also this idea of functionality behind it too. Like it, it allows me the opportunity to do the things that I want to do within the space that I find myself. So my son, loves playgrounds like mm-hmm. loves not, I, there's a word above love and i don't know what it is infatuated with i guess would be a good one um but like that is a huge function of a lot of space in the park but we also do that in the woods can he climb can he run can he swim not yet but so this the idea of like can i engage with not only the people in that space but also with the space of itself that's kind of what i'm hearing yeah. you're, you're talking through exactly yeah yeah it's uh it's again, it's just human activity, you know, us as humans, we, you know, and I consider myself an introvert, you know, I'm, I'm one of those where um, with certain people, you know, it's not draining on my energy or anything, but I need that space alone so I can recharge, right? So for me, it's going out into nature, it's going on the hike at Martel Forest or um, going to a botanic garden in a city I haven't been to and just like, you know, just being in my own space. Um, but uh, with that said, if I was only just in that space, you know, I would not be thriving either. So it's uh, human connectivity um, in that aspect where you just want to spend time there, you know. So if it's for, you know, little kiddos running around on our great playgrounds, you know, we, we think about those playground spaces too. Um, so a great example would be a case in Family Park that's being built right now. Um, we haven't added a new park in our West Lafayette Park system since uh, I believe the 80s mm-hmm. so it's been a it's been a while sure. <laughs> so uh, we had this phenomenal opportunity uh, that's driven by community uh, again it's where you know community members rolled up their sleeves and said hey we need to escape, uh, save the schoolhouse uh, um, it's on the corner of uh, Cumberland and 231 it's going to be oh. demolished it's built in the 1800s you know what are we going to do to save it um, and that led, you know, the sm- uh, snowball effect of land was donated on uh, 15 acres and we're designing this uh, potential park and uh, Kathy Azano, our park superintendent at the time was like, you know, this is just not it. We're not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the opportunity of adding more acreage there. So now we have, it's almost a 34, 35 acre park oh, wow. um, that has woods on both sides. Mm-hmm. And we have all this space now that we can have a truly functioning park. Um, but the community members, they said they, they want nature play. They want that connectivity. Yeah. Um, and so now we have all these uh, playscapes that we've designed throughout the park that are at different age levels, but it's all connection to nature. Yeah. So uh, we have amazing playgrounds that are coming in. One's a giant owl they can climb on. Um, it's na- uh, made from um, uh, black locust wood. So yeah. it's long lasting, but you're uh, still touching uh, yeah. natural materials, building that connectivity. So uh, even for you know, young kids who are just trying to, you know, figure out their developmental skills, right? Uh, having that connection to nature is something as simple as going to a playground. You know, that's something that we think about in design uh, because, again, you want to design places where people want to stay. They want yeah. to hang out. They want to they want to spend their time, their currency, if you will. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, that's, whew, I know where we're going <laughs> uh, when that thing gets all built up. So yeah. that'll be really cool. I don't care if it's 10 years from now. He'll be 15 hanging out at a, at a playground i'm gonna be there like, yeah right yeah. yeah like i'll be there uh well that's really awesome so so when you think of the work that you're doing in this environmental wellness space we talk a lot about this idea between sickness uh, of the dimension of wellness we're talking through and and fitness right and those words don't quite sit 
well in the environmental aspect, right? But the, the idea is there. But when you think of the spaces that you work with or the communities you've worked with or have worked in the past, do you typically find that they are like you're struggling with them, like they're in this bad place and you're trying to get them up to a better place? Is it that they're great and you're making them better? Is there, are they somewhere in between? Where would you find yourself when you think about the places you're working with? Yeah, great question. So I, I think our our challenge for West Lafayette, um, Lafayette's a little different. They have space, right? So uh, we're pretty landlocked. Um, we have a Purdue University great partner mm-hmm. um, that's, uh, you know, its own city, you know, right? And so <laughs> Uh, we we are one of the densest, if not the densest, community in Indiana. Um, mm. So we have it's 14 square miles. We're pretty much developed all the way up to um, that that uh, boundary. Mm-hmm. And so because of that, you know, even though on the census, uh, which I was a part of, you know, we had a great plan going, and then the pandemic came, right? So, mm-hmm. um, but you know, even though the census says we're right around, you know, I think it's 46, 47 thousand. Um, we have Purdue University students, right, uh, that come in here. So we really have closer to like 80, 90,000 people within our 14 square mile city. Um, so what are the challenges with that? The challenges that we have, you know, these infrastructures that seasonally are either getting well loved hmm. or, you know, we have that space in the summer. I think every, um, I think the turn towny is in play there, but you know, we, we all love that summertime where we can kind of breathe a little bit. Um, but that's the fun part about uh, West Lafayette is, um, the university, that college level, there's always something going on. Dynamic. Um, yeah, it's, it's exactly. There's this energy about it, um, which I think is another piece of quality of life. Um, uh, but the reason why I bring this up is that, um, when it comes to our park system, I think if we didn't have that, that guess pressure cooker if you will of, of the pressure of having this community a dense community this urban space um our, our park system we use the term especially some of our regional parks being loved to death mm. um, we just have all this activity constant activity because people create that green space mm-hmm. um, and we have very few um regional parks happy hall is one of those where it's so walkable. We have, you know, three major neighborhoods in our city that have pedestrian entrances to this park. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the few parks, um, we're very fortunate on our side of the river, we have this topography. Um, and so people are craving that, that space there that they can easily walk to. Um, but it's being loved to death. There's a ton of activity. There's, you know, humans every, every day of the year, it doesn't matter if it's freezing or cold, there's an amazing trail that goes through these hills and, um, uh, you have this uh, other environmental uh, uh, pressures in there. You have invasive species that are just holding up hillsides. Like mm-hmm. it is a challenge, um, but it, it it's so we have these amazing spaces. And Celery Bog is another great example. You know, it's amazing space. It's very well um, loved in our community. It's one of our largest regional parks. Um, has water access, trail access. Um, our woods there are spectacular. Um, it's just loved, um, well loved. Mm-hmm. And so that that's our challenge for us is how do we create and that's why adding this new regional park Houston, mm-hmm. it's going to be a huge game changer for us because it's more green space that people have access to, especially on the north side of the city where we don't have that regional park, we have Cumberland Park, but you know, on the um, northwest side, we just don't really have that big uh, green space access. So um, that's our challenge. Um, for us as a department is how do we how do we manage uh, this acreage um, with a very limited budget uh, every community feels that budget right um, you know 
uh, taxpayer base, you know, it's it's tough to get all this stuff done. But how do we how do we uh, create these quality, high quality green spaces with that much foot traffic? Um, and so that's where we have to get creative on how do we do that um, with our limited budget. And so that takes passion of volunteers, um, our AmeriCorps program that we just got access to, a federal grant to help us with park conservation work. Um, adding more park spaces, have planning documents that look into the future. So we're not just adding parks when it comes, that's great. Uh, but 60, 70 years down the road, where are we gonna add green space? Where's the community growing? Um, and so that's what we do. That's, that's the important uh, work that's continual is how do we plan for all that? How do we find these opportunities um, and uh, take these green spaces that are being loved to death and how do we design them better? How do we, uh, uh, how do we better create these spaces where we're controlling human activity uh, versus being a free-for-all, um, which some spaces are just like that because they're craving that, that green space access. So that tells us that we have work to do. We have to work on how people interact with this space. Um, and so how do we find that balance between nature and human activity? Because we also want to preserve that green space. Um, and so um, that's our challenge. It's, it's fun. It's a giant jigsaw puzzle. <laughs> um, and so it's just, you know, taking a little chew, little bites at a time um, and uh, creating these really quality green spaces that our, our community loves. Yeah. That's phenomenal. So, so, and you may not have an answer to this because you are very dedicated to our, our local, you know, um, community. Do you feel like other cities and communities are at the same level as us in terms of the investment that we make and the progressions that we make and the fact that we're looking 60 years down the line? Like, do you think that's common? I would say in the state of Indiana, unfortunately not. Um, I think we're one of the few communities in Indiana um, that really takes us seriously. Um, and I think there's, um, and, and it all comes down to funding and it's really what the community wants. You know, at the end of the day, if the community that lives in that space doesn't value it, that's not where those funds will go. Um, and so that's where we're very fortunate. And I think greater Lafayette where the community has been very vocal about um, making sure that we have quality uh, spaces, either in urban or in green space, um, having that, because uh, that really gives us the tools that we need to make sure we provide that. So I think in Indiana, um, we're one of the few communities that has the right formula, has the right, um, you know, if you're thinking of a recipe, we have all the ingredients there, it's, mm -hmm. you know, just tweaking it. Um, so yeah, we're, I'm, we're very fortunate. I'm fortunate to work for a community that values it. Um, I have a uh, um, colleagues that are in very different situations. Um, and so it's, I'm very fortunate to be in that space to where you know, community values that work and um, demands more, you know, yeah. it's, they're very vocal with that. Like, Hey, we need more of it. It's like, all right, let's, let's figure it out. Let's, <laughs> let's <laughs> that's, do it. That's a good problem to have when people want you more of you. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So, so when we start to talk about this idea, the spectrum, we, we talk about this all the time in our wellness from sickness to wellness, to fitness, still need to figure out what those words are, but environmental wellness, but this idea of, and it sounds like in West Lafayette and Greater Lafayette, we are on the better end of the spectrum where we're more fit in terms of our environmental wellness. What are some of the qualities that you're seeing that aligns with this idea that people want more? So, I mean, one of them is just that they're asking for, but what is it about the, the community, the, the individuals within that community that is leading us to believe that this is something that they value or that we are doing well in that space? Yeah, I think um, 
my my personal opinion is I think um, awareness is probably maybe awareness is not the exact term, um, but if you as an individual are not um, aware of you're in this park space or you're in a thriving green space or um, you're, you're unaware of your activity as a human, as one person has this ripple effect. Um, if, if you don't have that basic understanding, then it's hard for our natural spaces to thrive um, because the, the fact is as the community grows, it's gonna develop. Um, and so that's altering green spaces, right? Um, that's, and that could be from you know, creating a neighborhood that has some new park access, or it could be drainage, you know, think about all water has to go someplace, you know, <laughs> um, and in, in the Midwest, that's our challenge is water, you know, where, to, what to do with it. So um, as we grow, as we develop, we have to think about these things. And, um, you know, how does that ripple effect happen? So that could be from a larger scale, but even down to you as a person, you know, you're walking in the woods, and you go off the trail. Um, and you're walking through a patch and maybe there's, uh, you know, one of our, um, we have a little patch in Happy Hollow Park of our native orchid uh, that we have in Indiana. Um, and so uh, we have residents in, in a Happy Hollow neighborhood that knows exactly where it's at and they protect it at all costs <laughs> and they will tell people, hey, get out of the woods, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but the fact is people don't, if you don't recognize that you are altering a space, even just walking through it, um, then it's hard. Um, it, it's hard to have a thriving space. It's hard to have healthy green spaces. Um, and so I think again, here in Greater Lafayette, we're pretty fortunate that there is that level understanding. It could be different degrees um, of that understanding, but knowing that you as a person have a responsibility when you enter a space, um, I think that's that's a hard hard thing for someone to grasp, especially if you never grew up in it. You know, if you grew up in the middle of an urban city, um, your your identity in green spaces might be very different. Your activity, your connection to it might be very different than say mine, where I grew up, you know, my mom was property manager of three different state parks in Indiana. So mm. I grew up in the woods, yeah. you know, and so I have a very a different personal identity and connection to green spaces. And that's why when I need to recharge, I find the nearest woods yep. yeah. <laughs> so, and that's what I do. I just like sit there and uh, there's a mindfulness about it where you just kind of zone in and take it in, you know, look what's around you. Um, and uh, I think that piece is hard for some people to grasp because that's just new to them. Um, but it all comes down to you as an individual, you need to be aware of your actions mm-hmm. um, and that ripple effect, good and bad. Um, into that space and if you understand that then that's where you have you have all the building blocks to have a healthy thriving uh, fit um, environment that you're in that's awesome so so I love that idea of your your awareness of the impact that you have on your environment I also there seems to be a little bit you're alluding a little to your ability to engage and interact with your environment. Because I think that's the awareness piece a little bit is this idea of when you're in your environment, can you be cognizant of what you're doing, what the impact is, what it's doing for you, and then being appreciative of that. Because some of those things in micro doses aren't very beneficial. Mm -hmm. 
but it's when it's happening over and over and over. You talked about mindfulness. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in mindfulness, right? Um, uh, one of the practices that I use, um, there's a guy named Joseph Goldstein, who is a phenomenal mindfulness meditation coach. And he talks about there's only six things ever going on at any one time, right? And it's um, the way that I put it is touch, taste, thoughts, sight, smell, sounds, right? That's it. Like that's all that's going on. And so when you're in an environment and you're capable of being in that space at that time, it gives you the chance to just shut everything out and be a part of it. But you have to be aware of how you interact with your environment to allow that to happen and awareness of your impact on it and its impact on you um, is a pretty powerful way to kind of look at yeah. that, that level of fitness with your environment. Cause it alludes back to, again, what you talked about earlier, which is this concept of engagement, right? Like an, a healthy environment is one in which we can engage with the people that are in it and also with the environment of itself. Um, and so being aware of the impact that it has on you and your impact on it can really help us better understand whether or not we're in a good place, good or bad. Cause to your point earlier, you know, people who don't appreciate their green space are probably not also aware of its impact on themselves, exactly. and their impact on it. So yeah, that's, yeah. There's that disconnect to where, you know, it, it, it could be a, a myriad of different reasons why, you know, maybe there's, you know, things going on personally to where they just can't, they're not noticing it. Um, but I, I think once, once you get that piece where you, you finally realize that no, my actions do have consequences, good or bad. Um, and that could be as simple as walking through a woods or that could be, you know, clear cutting everything because you just don't want a tree there. You know, it's, it's, all it comes down to it's your activity, it's your decisions, it's your, um, it, it's your actions um, does have a ripple effect because environments, you know, I, I take uh, urban forestry, for example, you know, they the, are green infrastructure, so they're living, they change constantly. It's not like a gray infrastructure, like a road where you pave it and for 20 years it's there and we have to do some maintenance to it, right? You know, we're, we're using it, but uh, uh, green infrastructure is growing. It's alive. It changes. Um, it reacts. And that's what the environment does. Um, our urban forestry reacts. Um, it doesn't have free thought. It doesn't say, hey, you know, I'm going to move over here. <laughs> um, it's reacting to the space that it's in and the, that environment. So um, it's the same aspect for us, you know, when we're entering the space, we're reacting to it. Um, and so, and they're doing the same. So again, creating these spaces where both can thrive together to where you're wanting to be there, but you're understanding your your space, your actions, and that ripple effect. Um, I think it's like the biggest hurdle um, because it's a different way of thinking about you walking into a park or going to the farmer's market or, um, you know, going to Casey Family Park soon. You know, you're, you're interacting with a brand new space that plants need to grow. And so yeah. respecting that and uh, being good stewards of that, I think, is um, something that we can all be a part of at different levels. You know, we're not we're not saying you need to. You know, I'm, I'm sure niches would love you know, hundred to a thousand volunteers showing up tomorrow to <laughs> to help them out with um, all their amazing work. But mm -hmm. uh, maybe just showing up for a uh, Saturday um, maintenance day and just helping them out, or um, maybe next time you're walking to your park, you have a little you know grocery bag with you and you pick up trash that you see along the way. You know, that kind of activity. Um, you, you're, you're kind of buying into it. You're owning that space is yours. Um, and that has a ripple effect as well. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. 
that's phenomenal. Just that conversation around the awareness of your impact on it and its impact on you and how to make that healthier. Right. So when you, when you think about the healthiest of environments and the the challenge for you, I'm sure is similar to challenge for me is like my, the change I make in this world is not instantaneous. It's not happening now. Right. You're talking about 60 years from now, we're talking about planting trees. We'll never sit under the shade of, which is for the first sign of wisdom, by the way, (laughs) Um, there's a quote out there somewhere. So the, the idea is like, we don't know exactly what's happening. So, so you haven't necessarily seen huge changes in a community because, you know, you've only been working in this in a finite amount of time. And even if you're working 20 years, you might only work in two or three communities in this line of work. But when you think of, when you see evidence of it now, or you think of it in 20, 30 years, what is like the peak level of environmental wellness? Like, what are some signs that like we've made it, like we're doing it, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it comes down to um, a few different, you know, quality of life is the biggest, biggest, um, you know, taking your pulse, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you have these, um, if you have people that want to stay and interact and, um, you know, get some, you know, buy-in, if you will, um, I think that's one great area to where you have a thriving quality of life. You want to spend that time, you want to, you know, raise your kids here or, you know, raise your dog. I have, you know, I'm not going to have kids, but I'm going to have a dog. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, but, you know, doing that, that bit of it, wanting to be in that space, wanting to, um, you know, interact with it, grow with it, participate in it. I think that's one aspect of it. Um, there's also uh, an economy piece to it. Um, so if you have a thriving uh, green spaces, you t- tend to have thriving economies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so looking, you know, 30, 40, 50 years down the road, you know, what's, what's our economy look like, you know? Um, and I think for West Lafayette, we have a thriving economy as well. Um, you know, we have these green spaces there that are um, part of our developments. We think about it. We have a mindfulness about it as well, I think. And when we're sitting down with a developer and looking at, you know, potential development space, you know, one of the key aspects, and I'm, again, very fortunate um, to be in that space where you're an advocate for it. You know, say so we have a green space, our community demands it. So how can we uh, design it with that best intent? And so um, I think it's what I find it really rewarding in this work um, is that we're building the, we're putting the foundations, the building blocks for 50, 60 years down the road. Um, and so I would hope to uh, look back and um, in that long period of time and say, hey, some of the planning documents that we've done that we put the effort in to do, or um, some of these policies that we put in place, knowing that we won't see the benefits in there, uh, we see a fall through. Um, and see that kind of aspect. So quality of life, having the economy in that piece, and then the policies of it uh, from a city standpoint mm-hmm. of, you know, having thoughtful policies. And and I, th- I feel like for most municipalities, um, most people know that if they're creating the policies that it's really down the road that they're going to see those benefits, not now. So, you know, um, holding to that standard and knowing that's going to be down the road and you're not looking for instant gratification um, and I think that's what the community expects us to do um, and having that education piece of it. But I think if you have those aspects, um, then you'll see a thriving community. You'll see streetscapes that are active. You'll see more uh, green spaces uh, developed and uh, thriving there. You'll see um, more staff that goes towards it. I mean, that's the other thing too, is if, you know, green space doesn't just do its thing on our own, especially <laughs> urban environment, right? We have to have really quality high level staff uh, to make it happen and grow. So, I, you know, our parks department, we have, you know, great maintenance staff um, that 
care for the spaces. Um, and we hopefully there's more investment in that um, because we have a lot of green spaces to cover. Um, and so I, I think that's really what it comes down to is, you know, looking at the quality of life, making sure that people are still active, still uh, participate in that, um, the economy side of things and those policies. Um, and that's what I hope to see um, and make sure that, um, yeah, that that's why we do these things yeah. and have that environment. Um, and then I also, for me personally, I look at communities I enjoy going to. Um, and so I've had the privilege of being able to travel. Not a lot of people have that privilege. And so, um, like I, I mentioned, I, I did my internship out in Boston. It's my first time living out of the city or out of uh, Indiana in general. Um, and so it was, it was amazing, you know, opened my eyes to a whole other world. I didn't, I wasn't dependent on a car for the first time because mm. I'm not driving my car out in Boston. I don't know if you've been to Boston. Mm, that I've heard. Don't, don't drive. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, public transit is another, I, I think, a really key component of it because, you know, you don't need to um, drive anywhere. You can walk, ride your bike. We have great trail systems or use, you know, a bus system. But um, just seeing that where, like, uh, you know, um, Frederick Law Olmsted um, was the father of landscape architecture. Mm. Um, and he's designed um, what they call the Emerald Necklace on Boston. So it's this uh, chain of green spaces that kind of surround the downtown city. Mm. Um, and so the Arnold Arboretum uh, did my internship was one of the, you know, the emeralds on that necklace, if you will. So, um, but it's just constant access to green space from a community standpoint to where that's really, that's when you know you have a winning formula where you can walk or take a train or a bus or ride your bike to a, a park space within like 10 minutes. Yeah. I think that's the industry standard that you want to have. Okay. Um, and so we're, we're almost there. We, you know, we need to work on that a little bit, which is in our five-year master plan, but, um, but that's those, those are all the pieces where, you know, you have a thriving environment. Yeah. And so looking at other communities and what they're doing, how that's worked, Boston's been, it's an old, old city, right? It's one of the original colonies. So it's been around, it's learned a thing or two. So looking at other communities and see how they do it yeah. um, and how it's worked and what's not worked and taking those principles and applying it here and how it could work here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not going to take the bait of, you, you mentioned 10 minutes to a green space being an industry standard, which is like a juicy number I want to <laughs> pounce on and be like, give me more because I love metrics. I love numbers. I love analytics, right? Like, how do you figure out, like, how do we figure this thing out? Um, we're going to bring it back. So hopefully if people are like, all right, where are we going with this? They're, they're re-engaged. That'll be the yeah. cliffhanger for the end of the end of the talk. But um, I love that idea of the emerald the emerald necklace. I think that's phenomenal, yeah. right? Yeah. That's, that's so cool. And this idea of... Uh, there's this component of engagement, but also access, right? Like, what do we, how do we get there? Can we get there? And then once we're there, what do we do with it? Are we aware of its functionality? Or are we aware of our functionality within it? Uh, and do we understand that vital connection, especially in the urban space? But I would say that in general, wherever you live, do, yeah. do I understand my impact that I have on my environment and my environment has on me? Yeah. And I think that's phenomenal because I grew up similar to you out in the middle of nowhere yeah. in Indiana. And so being out in the woods is a vibe. It's, it's a normal thing for me. But yeah. when I come to a city park, I, I don't have the same boundaries that city park people do. Right. So yeah. like if I go off on the trail, I'm like, I always go off of, of trails. Right. But it's knowing like, what's the purpose of this space yeah. and, and, and how do I utilize it effectively? Yeah. That's yeah, that's really neat. So access, functionality and impact 
both ways, yeah. I think is pretty phenomenal. So the tricky part. So if you had to articulate in some sort of term, this idea of peak level environmental fitness, we'll call it, right? To like this idea of like, we've reached the pinnacle. I understand my impact on, on environment and it's an impact on me and I'm living in a space that I'm thriving and, and yada, yada, right? The birds are singing, the deer are jumping, right? The green is green. What would that, how would you describe that in like a term? Yeah. And, and I don't know if this is, will work either. So let's no, try it out. Let's see how it take feels. a stab at yeah. it. But um, you know, thinking about this for the last couple of weeks, um, I kind of struggled with the same thing too. It's like, how, how would I, how would I describe this in the best terminology that I, I could kind of find an image for, cause I'm a very visual person sure. is balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, so is it balanced between, you know, a thriving, you know, nature doing its thing, you know, mother nature will always win. Right. So, you know, happy hollow with erosion. We're never going to stop erosion. Nope. Mother nature will win. Yep. Um, but can we have this balance of, um, you know, human activity, urban development, uh, and just natural green space. Can we yeah. find this? And so if there's a balance there, um, which I've been in communities where I felt like it was very, you know, tilted one way or the yeah. other. Yeah. Um, uh, and so that to me, um, anyways, that's how I recognize is there a balance between that? Because sure. you can have both, yeah. you know, this fallacy of it can only be natural or it's urban. Yeah. Um, that's not true. Yeah. Um, you can have that balance of it. Yeah. So if you have a community that has this balance of, you know, green space, environment, access and development, you know, uh, housing, neighborhoods, streets, yeah. um, things like that. I, I think to me that shows that there there's, the there's a fitness level there's a health mm-hmm. to your community mm-hmm. yeah um that we all strive to have yeah that's amazing the word that comes to me because because I, I think of nature i'm always thinking ferngully and and avatar right yeah. and all these these um that idea of balance and environment it's like that idea of harmony right yeah. there's harmony between who I am and what I need, what my environment is and what it needs, recognizing that my environment is a living thing, right? Even the urban aspect of it, the yeah. urban aspect is, is people and, and buildings and structures, but yeah, bringing that harmony between those two That's things, perfect. I think is phenomenal. Well, there we go. We got we it together. It right? There we go. All right. Well, then we're done here. No, no that's phenomenal though. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. It says recognizing that harmony and, and the part you play within it, not just saying I am, I am here environment <laughs> so take care of me but like what am i doing for my environment as exactly. well right and, and like in any relationship right and so um in fact the eight dimensions of wellness that we talk about from dr swarbrick um there are they're not built like this but i figured it out maybe it's somewhere else probably somebody else figured it out but there's four internal four external and the four external are financial occupational environmental and social right and it's just ironic to me that environmental and social are both components of like my relationship with others and others relationships with me, right? There's an external factor there, which is why it's sometimes hard to talk about it because, because it's outside of us. Right. So I can't tell you like, you know, you do these three things and your environment's going to be better. Well, no, there's, there's a component of the environment that you have no control over. So it's understanding that relationship between the environment, you, you and the environment. So, and the harmony between it. So. Exactly. And it's very personal too. Like yeah. my connection to nature and to the environment is very different from you. Yeah. 
um, or because it's all based off of your experience mm -hmm. with that. So yeah, it's I think, and that's why it's hard. You know, it's so simple to say like you should be aware of your actions, mm -hmm. but um, it's hard for people because it's again, it's a very personal relationship with that. Sure. And if they don't recognize that they have a relationship with it, then they're not going to recognize what their actions in that space, what it does. Yeah, absolutely. And there's only so much you can see. Like I tell people now, you know, my wildlife biology background, I was like, you know, I don't use it anymore, but I'm a hoot on a hike, right? Like I, I, I can go out and tell you what that bird is and some of those trees and whatever. So like, that's my knowledge. And I'm pretty aware of my impact on the environment and it's on mine, but you know, I'm not developing a lot more knowledge of that. And there's yeah. drastically more I could know, right? So you take somebody who doesn't have any interest in that whatsoever. Um, they just know that trees are trees and they're pretty and I like them in my, my, my uh, city. Yeah. Then it can be sometimes hard for them to understand the depths. Just like, I don't have any interest in knowing how my car works, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I know I put in gas, I turn the key and it goes and I love that. And it's phenomenal. And I appreciate the people who do know it there is some component of like people aren't always going to be open to the idea of learning everything. So yeah. it's, it's understanding what I do and don't know how I can engage and what I, what I need to just accept <laughs> that there are experts in the field that give me the opportunity to have these spaces. And I have to respect that too. So yeah. um, that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. When you look at it on the other ends, so we have harmony with our environmental wellness being the, the highest level of, of, fitness that we could ascertain then what would the other end of the spectrum first of all what would it look like what what are some things that let you know you're driving through a, a town or a city or whatever and you're like these people don't appreciate environment yeah not um, to judge because obviously again economy the yep. things that are happening in their lives their communities but what is it that what are the signs yeah so um i there's a there's a base level of privilege there too so it's a very social um um, aspect as well with all this. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, we live in a privileged community where we have this access um, and we have the funds to do it. Some communities don't, mm -hmm. um, and that's just not available to them. Or um, you have historically, historically black neighborhoods that are redlined. And so they don't have access um, from, you know, racist policies. Um, and so there is this privilege that comes along with green spaces um, and access to it. Yeah. Um, so with that said, you know, we can't solve all that um, mm -hmm. in one day, in one talk, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but it's fascinating to me because that's been a whole other chapter in my life sure. of just learning yeah. um, and being open to learn more about it. So um, in terms of, uh, you know, what in a community that I feel like is off kilter and unbalanced, if you will, um, you know, you, you don't see that human activity. Mm -hmm. You don't see people spending time because their time is currency, right? Mm -hmm. So they don't have a lot of it and they're not in this green space, then, you know, they, they can't they can't use it or they don't have access to it. So I think number one, just access to green space in general. You know, are you in an area where there is a park? Um, we have some communities that there's only one park in the entire community. Um, we have neighborhoods that have, you know, the closest park to it is 45 minutes on a walk. Um, and so that's where, you know, A, don't have that space to begin with. Um, where do you go? Um, and so that's where you have, you know, maybe there's businesses. If there's not people there, you're not going to have businesses that cater to those mm -hmm. uh, patrons. So um, you have neighborhoods that don't have that economy, that local economy at that base there. 
Um, you, you know, you look at the infrastructure, how they're getting around. Is it just by a car? Um, that's not great because you have to drive places. And again, that's a privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, not everyone has a car or has the ability to drive 45 minutes to green space. Um, and they, they can use that for other things that they have to do. So um, I look at that um, and that usually is kind of the biggest thing. It's like, if I'm going to be in a neighborhood or I'm trying, I'm, you know, checking out a new city. Um, I think a great example that has been a recent experience for me is Detroit. Um, I, you know, that's, there is, that's a whole other ball of wax in terms mm-hmm. of, you know, the history of Detroit and um, the policies, the politics, the bankruptcy and how that, the ripple effect of human activity. Um, but there's communities that literally have zero green space and there's no way to get to it. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, you can feel that. Um, and so, you know, not having those spaces where people can gather that where they can build those social connections, where they um, feel like they can make a difference. Um, uh, it's, it's, you, you can feel that and they, they've made um, wonderful strides. Um, I, you know, I have a friend that's up there and um, uh, he uh, moved back into uh, the community. He told me he wasn't planning on moving back to Detroit, but he did mm-hmm. um, back to his neighborhood they grew up in. Um, and so they have uh, programs where they can raise vacant houses and create parks. And so mm-hmm. I had the uh, privilege to help him out with that. Um, just wow. come up with some basic design stuff. Um, he has a way better pulse on what his community is wanting. And so I just kind of help with some of that design aspect with it. But um, it's just amazing to see, like, you know, in his neighborhood, there's zero parks. You know, he yeah. had to walk about um, you know, 30 minutes there. And so you can feel that. Yeah. Um, and so the ability to take these five lots and make into a park is going to have a huge impact down the road with that. So looking at, you know, access to that space and then, you know, looking at because there's a lack of that ac- access, there's a lack of people. If there's a lack of people, you're going to have lack of businesses. It's kind of this chain reaction there, too. Um you also feel a sense of, you know, it's kind of cold. I, and that's mm. the best way to, for me to describe it is, mm. you know, green space is warm. It's inviting. It's um, green. You can <laughs> physically touch it and it's not concrete. Um, mm-hmm. It's alive. It's breathing. Um, and you see animals react around that. So you have that, that activity gone. It's not breathing. It's not alive. It's not um, thriving. Yeah. Um, and so uh I've been in communities and aspects and neighborhoods that I, I, you can just feel that. And there's tends to be a high level of, you know, long-term policies um, that have created that over the years. And so, you know, access to green space is very much a very social issue. And not a lot of people connect that, especially if you lived in a community that's privileged enough to have access to it. Yeah. Um, and so um, I think that's a big piece of it um, and recognizing that knowing how do we dismantle that and how do we uh, do better again that's your individual impact the ripple effect that it has um, so yeah I, I would feel going back to I know that's a little tangent no but, I love it uh, going back to like you know when I go into a space and know is it thriving or not that's those are kind of the feelings and the observations I can see is you know are, are you seeing that green space are you seeing human activity or are you not if yeah. you're not you know, it's an area that um, is, has some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, that too, I, I would imagine that a big part to play in it as well as the safety of it, right? Do I feel safe going into that space? Because yeah. I've seen parks before in communities where there was nobody there. Yep. And then you go in and you see, you know, syringes and things like that. The unfortunate circumstances of the, the society that is 
currently struggling through a lot of depressions and anxieties and drug use and things like that. And so kids aren't playing in that park. And um, our friend uh, Pat Flannelly, retired chief of police, um, was one of our guests. And we talked about social wellness and this idea that people have to feel safe in their community. And so since we're talking about urban environmental health, I think there's a huge um, uh, alignment there with also social wellness, because if we don't there will be people because <laughs> we're not talking about going to the Sequoia National Forest and being out in the middle of nowhere and, and connecting. We're talking about connecting alongside society exactly. um, in the same spaces. So I think more than like there, that's, that's why there's so much power here in this conversation is environmental wellness and our social wellness are coming kind of to fruition. They overlap here very strongly yeah, because they're connected. They, yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So when you think about ways in which we, we talked a little bit about attributes already, this idea that they, we, we need to be able to, people are there, they're engaged, they're, they're wanting to be a part of it, they're volunteering to help out and, and give back to the environment that they're, that they're utilizing, um, they're using it kindly, they're, they're aware of their impact on it and its impact on them, um, all of these things. But when you think about, so those are attributes, when you think about the way that we measure the the health of an environment obviously you you talked a little bit about statistics so we're bringing that conversation back over this idea of 10 minutes to to walk or to get there um what are some of the other attributes that let you know that the environment is is healthy or is doing well um that you can measure they're like on paper like here Here's the report because I'm sure you have to report a lot of things <laughs> in your in your role. You do work for the government, so yeah, yeah. Um, so what are those measurements? Um, so I believe it's the National Parks and Recreation Association. They have tons of data and studies and um, standards, um, which were new to me because I was in development before I moved over to parks. Mm -hmm. um, so um, that was a big eye opening because there's just so much information in, in terms of like those statistics. So. Um, you know, a general standard of, you know, a 10 minute walk from green space, a park, and then it could be anything. It could be a trail. It could be, you know, a regional park, like, you know, Salary Bog or um, um, Happy Hollow, or it could be something small like Lincoln Park, which is in our historic New Chauncey neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being 10 minutes from green space um, is a huge metric because that tells you it's a walkable if you can't walk to it, you know, how's that green space thriving there as well? So uh, walkability, being able to, you know, step outside and easily walk there, it's kind of a big deal that with that con connectivity. Um, you're also looking at the the uh, green space itself. Um, so when, again, our human activity in urban space, are you managing it? You know, people think that you just leave green space alone. Mm -hmm. Um, where you go back to tribal times, um, you know, with indigenous people here, uh, the Potawatomi, you know, people of fire, nation of fire, they burn woods. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a critical part of managing uh, woodlands mm -hmm. um, for that. So uh, are, are the woodlands, are, are these uh, native landscapes, are they managed mm -hmm. um, or, or are they not? Are they kind of a free-for-all? Mm -hmm. So when it says free-for-all, then you get invasive species and then there's that ripple effect well, as well as, you know, we're losing our native species, which means, you know, everything's connected, right? So you're losing, because you're losing your native plants, you're losing the the animals that depend on the plants and then it's, it goes up from there. So then mm -hmm. you have a lack of thriving uh, as there and some um, of our tree species depend on uh, those critters that help spread the seed, right? So 
um, there is this much uh, ripple effect. So looking at is it is the land being managed? Um, and that doesn't mean clear cutting or it doesn't mean it's mowed mm -hmm. like a golf course. But are you managing um, these native spaces to where they're thriving? Um, and so that that's another metric that we look at. And so we have to look at also by you know per capita and per acreage of green space. You know what is the national average uh, of staff, full time staff, to manage that? So that's a big piece in our planning document. Is you know how do we get creative uh, with our staffing because there's only so many dollars in the budget, mm -hmm. um, and that that's across uh, the board in any community. You're going to hear that too. So. Um, that's where we have, we did a staffing study to figure out, okay, if our metric is here and, um, I believe we're, we're very much below the national average of staff for our green space. So mm -hmm. we have like 464 acres of park within city limits, uh, that's under parks board management. Um, and so, uh, with our maintenance team, I think we have 12 and we should be really closer to 24 full-time uh, to be at a national average. So um, so that that's where you also look at, um, you know, the, the funding and the staffing that goes behind it, because if there's not that there, then you can't have the managed green space, which means that we have some struggling um, uh, environments that we yeah. have in our park system. Yeah. Yeah. So, so if we're going to take it a little bit more granular for a moment, um, so that's obviously kind of more of a city municipality level. Um, but if we're thinking of on an individual level and we're talking about managing our environment, right. Or even for your, your city management as well. And when you think about the metrics that let us know that we're managing effectively, what does that look like? Like, it's like, for instance, if I'm managing my environment, my what, my yard or my acre of, of life, right, whatever, what is it that's letting me know that I'm being successful in that? Yeah, um, I guess my personal approach would be, you know, know what you have. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, if no one has to be an expert in tree ID or, um, you know, plant identification or wildlife identification, right? But um, just knowing what you have. So if it's your own personal property, you know, going out into that spaces and just checking it out, you know, what's here, what's uh, looks out of place, you know, invasive species tend to look out of place, mm -hmm. you know, so just kind of being taken in that observation lens of like, what was what your baseline? What do you have? Um, and, and then from there, once you start identifying and understanding, again, it's like understanding of like what you are as a person in the space, right? Mm -hmm. So understanding what you have, that's when that's, uh, you can start building out, okay, what do I have to do? Um, or, you know, what can I do to help the space look better or uh, function better? Or, you know, there should be birds here, but I'm not hearing any birds whatsoever mm -hmm. or, um, things like that, you know, just being observant and, and taking that all in. I think that's, you know, we're in a society that's always go, go, go. Hmm. Um, and so slowing down and being able to do that, I think it's kind of what anyone can do, even if it's their own personal lot yeah. or, you know, you're out in the country or you have all this acreage um, and you have the little woods back there. Um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter where you're at, just having that baseline of what do you have? What do you have access to? what's there um, and figuring that piece out, I think is uh, the first step that anyone can do. Yeah, absolutely. That's powerful. And that, that aligns back to what you mentioned earlier, which is this idea of that harmony, right? Like understanding what part you play to benefit the environment, what part does it play and what's the functionality of it? What is it doing there? Is it meant to protect you? Is it meant to 
um, provide for you? Like, are you getting fruits from the tree or is it more for shade or is it more for protection and shelter? Um, you know, that's a little bit removed. We're a little bit removed from that particular life, right? Like living under a tree. Um, but there's still this idea of functionality. And then have I found harmony there? I'm not taking away too much. I'm not putting in too much. There's this there's this balance. So that kind of alludes back to that yeah. a little bit as well. Absolutely. So that's great. Any other metrics that you're using to help you understand whether or not you're sliding backwards or moving forwards? Um, from in terms of the city or, sure. okay. Um, I, I, I think community engagement is the biggest piece. Um, again, our, our five-year master plan, our park and open space plan that we approved earlier this year that looks 50, 60 years down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, even the community forestry management plan that we just got approved. Um, it's all based on community input. Um, so what they're seeing, how they're reacting to, a, um, you know, what's working, what's not. Um, you know, we also can tell a baseline of just where they're at as a community of understanding. Mm. Um, so do we need to do more education? Um, are they uh, aware of, you know, their personal ripple effect mm. in our community? Um, are they aware of how to be engaged? Mm. Um, and so, um, we've had a few people it's like, I didn't even know you can be on a park sport. Well, of course you can. Like, you know, we're, we're begging yeah. for people. Yeah. To participate. Where are these meetings at? Exactly. Right? <laughs> you know, like, where do I go on our city website? Yeah. Um, so it's things like that to where it's like how, how they engage, how they, uh, the feedback that we receive, if we're not receiving that feedback and, um, there's some communities that they get zero feedback. Um, I have colleagues that are like, you got 600 people to take your survey. I'm like, yeah. And mm. Is that not normal? No, no, it's not. <laughs> it's absolutely not normal. Um, but we had over 600 people take our online surveys for a wow. five-year master plan. And it was really good indicators of what we're doing well. And it was very strong indicators of where, what we need to work on. Sure. Um, and so um, I, I feel like for me personally, being in the space where I help create these policies, if we're not getting that community feedback, if they're just not participating, uh, that that tells us that we have work to do that we're not listening yeah because uh, after a while if you're if a community is saying hey we want x y and z we're seeing x y and z and we're like yeah yeah yeah, mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. then they'll stop participating correct and then once they start participating then how do we know what we're doing how we're working on what we're doing for our community so mm -hmm. um, i think that's a big piece for us is if we're not hearing that feedback that, that means we have more work to do yeah and i think that's phenomenal a, a bridge between the individualized level versus the municipality because what you're saying saying is, is, you know, when people are engaged with how they're interacting with their environment, well, in the city, that's how you interact with your, with how, what goes on. You can't just go cut down a tree in the city, right? So how do you interact yeah. with what do you want? Hopefully not trees cut down, but if I want something changed in my environment, I go to the city and we talk about it and we, we come up with a solution as a community, yeah. right? As opposed to an individual who's maintaining their own environment. I live out in the county, uh, so I have a little bit more leeway um, with what I do with my environment, but it's the same principle. I'm engaging with, I'm, I'm making the decisions that are going to affect my environment. In exactly. the city, you do that through surveys, you do that through engagement and meetings and boards. Um, overall, the, the, the big picture is, what are you doing to engage yeah. with your community or sorry, with your environment? What are you doing to engage with and interact with your environment in whatever way that you can, that's yeah. going to elicit a change. Exactly. So. Yeah. And so those that, um, you know, we hear 
you know, we didn't know, you know, we, we just didn't know how to do it. It's like, all right, let's figure out a way how to communicate better. You know, like right. how do you gather information? You know, is it through social media or is it through, um, you know, public notices? Do you go to the public library? You go, that means we need to post there too. So sure. um, finding strategic partners to help get the word out and um, working at a, a neighborhood level, I think is something that the city has been pretty strong at. Mm-hmm. Um uh, for the most part, I think we could always do better, and I think the community will tell us that too. Um, but th- the reality is, having keeping that open dialogue um, is is critical for any any city or it, even a dialogue between you and uh, your na- your property. Which sounds kind of silly, but mm-hmm. it's very true. You yeah. know, keeping that uh, you know walking into that space, spending time in that space, you know, learning what's there and what's not, and um, communicating that kind of level um it's something that um again it's it's very personal you know my my interaction my my piece my you know my communication with uh forest lands is very personal for me and um it's very different um uh, from other people i have a, a really good friend of mine um she grew up in urban cities um has no idea, you know, <laughs> she, she, I would take her to a, one of my favorite nature preserves. Um, and she was like, I have to cross through water. What, what, like, what are we doing? Where, where are the roads? And I'm like, it's a nature preserve. You're just out here. You're enjoying it. Um, <laughs> you need to enjoy this. This yeah. is how this works. <laughs> Why aren't you enjoying I, my feet are, my shoes are off. I'm yes. walking barefoot. And exactly. Like, oh, like, no, heck no, I'm not yeah. doing that. So, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's very personal, right. Um, sure. with that interaction there, but having that dialogue with it, you know, that was the first time where, <laughs> Uh, I think we would go once a month. It's like, let's go out there. Mm-hmm. You know, she would roll her eyes, but she comes. So, yeah, you know, yeah. hey, we crave it. That's right. right? We yeah. really do. Yeah. Absolutely. It's funny. It is very side tangent, but I remember I, I hosted a an event that was originally designed as an obstacle course training um, event. It was, a, it was called the Warrior Within. Um, and it quickly turned into this kind of this mental fortitude and, and resiliency program. Like, what can I do? And so one of the things I remember, um, we were in, um, oh, which one is it? It's just just by the um, the golf complex. What's that little, is it McCormick's? Yeah. It's right yes. there by the, yeah, I think it's yeah, McCormick's. Yes. It's small. It's yeah, pretty yeah. small. It's got like yes. one trail through it. Yes. Um, we were there and one of the things we were doing is like bear crawls and I found a little bridge super short like you yeah. didn't even know it's a bridge until like you realize there's a little stream crawling under it no water in it but it was muddy yeah. and so one of the things I did is I had him crawl under the bridge and uh, I had a friend Bryce actually um, who uh, was like just standing there for a second looking at it and I go hey what's up bud uh, and he's like I've never been muddy before <laughs> And I'm like, you know, yeah. I, we grew up, you know, Muddy was like our middle name, right? That's and right. so I was like, what do you mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, I've never been, like, I've been told my whole life not to get dirty, right? Yeah. And so this idea of like this disconnect between, and I'm not suggesting that it, that's good or bad or anywhere yeah. in between. That's just, that's the world that he grew up in was this idea, don't get dirty, don't touch that, don't, you know? And so the, the what you need from your environment is drastically different for yeah. each individual. I need to be dirty a little yeah. bit, right? Like I, <laughs> I need to get out there and to be in nature and get to some enjoy it. Get, nails, yeah, exactly. Get some tough work, right? Um, but that just goes to show you that like everybody's experience is different, but what matters, I think, with the bigger picture, because ultimately what we're trying to do with all of these interviews is determine a generalized program to help people understand their wellness. 
because we can't say your wellness is you have 10 trees per acre in your yeah. yard, right? Can't do it, right? That's not realistic, right? But what you can say is, is I have a better understanding of what my environment means to me and what it provides to me. And I understand how to manage it effectively to maximize yeah. that that quality yeah right um and that's a that's an important aspect yeah so yeah that's that's great yeah that's great so as we wrap up this idea of environmental wellness um and we obviously we have to set up a hike by the way that's <laughs> that's gonna happen 110 yeah. percent um but as we wrap up this conversation one of the things we always try to do is determine um what people can do to start this process if they're they're super stoked about environmental wellness now obviously right this was a this was a great conversation and so they want to jump in so we're going to speak to the doers we're going to speak to the the thinkers a little bit so when you have when you the thinkers want to read more they want to learn more they want to they want to glean more information what's a book that you would recommend to somebody who really wants to learn more about their environmental wellness or how how to you know be a part of that conversation yeah um uh great book that I actually listened to audio probably a couple of years ago was Into the Forest by Dr. Cheng Li. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's about mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's um, forest bathing. Um, it's this Japanese uh, culture practice um, where you literally just let your mind go blank and you're just in the woods and you're just taking it all in and just sitting there and listening. Um, and it walks through all the, you know, the personal health benefits, the um, but it walks you through how to do that. Oh, nice! Um, and so that was it was really uh, I was listening to that um, the audiobook during the pandemic. You know, we're all locked down, and um, and you know I'm going to my little favorite hiding places, my green space that you know I have, and there's people there. And it's like I'm trying to get away from people. <laughs> you know, the the first three months of the pandemic, it's like this is great. I'm now you know in my little cocoon uh-huh. in my green space, and then there's people everywhere. But yeah. <laughs> um, but it's a great audio book that I was listening to um, because it's like you know mind to me mind mindfulness was new. I was mm-hmm. like I don't know what that means. Sure. You know, um, I'm high functioning ADHD, so my brain is like you know a thousand tabs open, and mm-hmm. there's music playing. And I don't know how where it's at, and <laughs> um, so mindfulness is something I've been trying to get to. Um, and I do different methods, like cooking is uh, great for me because I'm just doing one step at a time and sure. enjoying the process. But uh, forest bathing is one of those to where it's like, well, that's why I have this connection with nature. Because yeah. um, as a kid, I'm just out to nature. I remember, you know, I uh, it was Wabash State Park was in Bluffton, Indiana. <laughs> Um, it's where our last day park we're at. And I would run outside our back lot, run through this like shrub screen, and just go, kept going back. And there's a small little stream that's out there. And it's, you know, there's shagbark hickory everywhere. Mm. And um, there's uh, in the spring, there's uh, may apple, you know, umbrella plants, I used to call them. Oh, and, yeah. um, and if there's this one little spot where if I just lay down a little bit, I'd be underneath all the umbrellas so i'm just looking at these plants and just laying there yeah. um, watching the birds go by i had maybe fawn just step over me one time and i'm just like <laughs> laying there oh, like wow. this um but you know for me i did make that connection that was mindfulness until i read you know listened to the audio yeah. book and i was like oh that's what it was yes well know? we didn't need it when we were kids right? we were mindful because what else do we have to do right exactly. but that's so so yeah. powerful but it's it's a it's it's a great way for anyone to start because mm-hmm. you know some people are not activists. That's mm-hmm. just not their skill set. Sure. And not everyone needs to be an activist. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, figuring out 
where you are in that journey and knowing what you are in that space that takes time and practice of just sitting there and listening. Um, and so that's, that's a great resource that you can read. It's very short. Sure. Um, it's more on the technical practice side of it. Yeah. Um, but it's um, for me, it was easier to digest yeah. and understand. Yeah. So what's it called one more time? Uh, into the forest. Into the forest. Yeah. That's phenomenal. I'm yeah. a huge endorser of mindfulness and being out in nature. So, and you give me a tactical book with steps to follow, then we're winning right now. So that's yeah. phenomenal. What a yeah. great, I'm, that's going on the list. <laughs> Maybe next on the list, which is hard to do because I have an old, but um, that's great. So, so yeah. that's for the thinkers. Sounds like it's also yeah. for the doers, but yeah. <laughs> for the doers, uh, what is some, what is one particular, either a weekly habit, a daily habit? maybe a monthly, but is it really a habit if it's monthly? Uh, a habit that they can start to do to become more environmentally well, in yeah. your opinion. Um, again, it's, you know, understanding your environment mm -hmm. um, and that takes time, that takes kind of entering into a space multiple times and seeing how it changes and evolves. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a beauty of here in the Midwest, we have seasons. So, you know, my favorite uh, spot in the city during the fall is very different than it is during summer and spring, right? So um, just spending time and, and that could be, you know, if you're uh, love to run on a treadmill, I absolutely despise treadmills. Mm -hmm. um, so I rather do that outside. Mm -hmm. Now, um, I used to be a runner and you get back into it. Um, uh, but just kind of taking an activity that I typically do and maybe change up your environment a little bit. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're out on our trail system. Um, that we have, we have a phenomenal trail system in West Lafayette to where you can get anywhere you want to go um, on the trail. Um, so uh, maybe checking out a new park or a green space. Um, you know, my dog um, is energetic as all get out. Um, we take him on a six and a half mile hike and in an hour and a half, he's ready for another one. And it's <laughs> exhausting. Um, but we try to, uh, you know, it's fun on Saturdays. We'll go to Prophetstown State Park where we're just at Martell Forest. Um, and go into these different spaces and spend time there. Um, and so, you know, you're taking your activity. I walk my dog on a regular basis anyways, mm -hmm. but maybe change it up and seeing all the different spaces. Um, uh, a good friend of mine at work, uh, she had a bingo card for the year. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a thing where mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. kind of pick all these different activities. Um, and so, you know, she asked me a few weeks ago, she's like, what's going to be on your bingo card? I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Um, but I kind of thought about more. It's like, there's, you know, I was just at Martell Forest and the last time I was there was eight years ago and it's yeah. literally 10 minutes from my house. Yeah. And so yeah. um, that's going to be my bingo card is like, where's all these green spaces I used to go and love that that's I haven't great. been to yeah. and like go do that. So maybe, maybe make it a fun activity. Yeah. Uh, make it a, a goal set. You know, I'm very goal oriented mm -hmm. individual. So, mm -hmm. you know, making sure that I hit all the you know, bingos, uh, item action list on my bingo card for the next year. It's a great way for me to be like, okay, I have two more things I have to do. Let's get it done. Yeah. Yeah. My wife and I got a, a shirt on the bicentennial of the state parks. Um, it was all 32 on the back of a shirt and it was a checklist. Like yeah. what great marketing, by the way. Right. Um, so, <laughs> so we spent a year trying to get to all of them. We didn't make it. We just finally, now I think we have like one more still yeah. like five years later, but like same thing, like, yeah, yeah if make it, make it some sort of goal but make that goal part of it being in more space, yep. more environments, and then being aware of it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, you know, you know, you the best, right? Mm -hmm. So if you know that you're never going to, you know, go hike, you know, six and a half miles, you mm -hmm. know, be realistic too, you know, maybe it's just going and sitting in a park sure. or, 
Um, you know, you have this wooded lot on your farm that's, you know, you know it's there, but you really haven't been in there. Just go out there and sit for 10 minutes, you yeah. know, do something very minimal, you know, low boundary, low stakes, and just try it out and just keep doing it. Yeah. You know, keep once a week or, you know, once a month, just do something like that. That's awesome. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so typically we say things like, where can we go to see your work or hear more about you? But obviously go to West Lafayette and walk a little bit and you're going to see Bryce's work, but where can people go to learn more about you or to learn more about how they can help with the things that you have going on? Yeah. So um, I'm in the parks and recreation department. We have a ton of things going on. So um, you can go to our city website, um, community forestry and green space is the page where a lot of the activities I'm part of is there. Um, we have an amazing wellness center um, that you can go check out Um we have great park systems. We have tons of opportunities for volunteer. Um, it's very seasonal. So, you know, don't get discouraged when we say like, we're ready for you in two months, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. But uh, uh, there's plenty of opportunity to volunteer. The West Lafayette Tree Friends are a phenomenal group. They're really fun. Uh, we meet uh, monthly. So if you're not, you know, maybe pruning a tree or two is not your forte, mm -hmm. but um, you like to help shape where these uh, donations go towards in our urban forest. We need more people to come to those meetings. Um, so there's definitely ways that you can get involved that fits with your schedule. Um, so yeah, check us out or give us a call, send me an email and say, hey, this is what I'm interested in. How do I get involved? And you know, I'll get you plugged in the best as I can. And uh, yeah, we'd love to interact with as many people as possible. That's awesome. That's awesome. And on LinkedIn, so they, yep. can, they can connect with you if they need to there. Yep, absolutely. That's how I got a hold of you. I think <laughs> through our friend Travis News, good people, good work. That's right. And you are one of those people. So sure. Bryce, thank you for everything you do for our community, for the wellness of the world, for environmentally uh, connecting us, bringing harmony to us in our environment. We really appreciate it. And I appreciate you for being on. Yeah, appreciate the invite. Thanks. Thanks.